are at the Net. And welcome, friends, to another episode of the At the Net podcast, powered by Textmas Productions. Working the soundboard in the back of the house are our producers, D-Matt and Dave Gray. Time to say hello to your hosts, Craig Bell and AJ Shabria, as they're about to take us through three sets of texts, talking life, Thanks to our Athenet podcast bureau for that fabulous introduction, and welcome fans of the great game. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 36. Can you believe 36 of these, AJ? Cannot. That's amazing. Of Athenet podcast with AJC, that would be you, right? Adrian Chabri and CB1, that's me, Craig Bell. We were talking the great game of pickleball. As, as it, it seems, seems to, to us. us. Not tennis. Normally I'd say tennis, but yeah. it's pickleball tonight. Thanks also go out to our good amigos at Tex-Mex Productions. That would be Darian D. Mac McBrayer and Dave the Brain DeLeo from back of the house who are on the soundboards moving the dials and buttons to make us sound like real people. We're real people tonight, aren't we? We are real people. We are six feet apart, believe it or not. Yes. We're in a bunker. Yes. We're here in the States. Yes. We haven't left the country yet. We are, we are sequestered just like Art Bell uh, from America's Coast to Coast. Did you ever watch that, Gene? Uh, no, I don't believe I did. Uh, Jean's, Jean's not old enough. She's not old enough. I'll, t- yeah. I'll tell you here in a minute. Let me finish up here. Also, be sure to check out our good work on Fireside, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Basically, kids, that's all the important communication sites that are available, aren't they? And We're out there. I, I, I mean, I, I know that, and I like that, but I especially like how happy Craig gets when he says breaker. Breaker, breaker. Yeah, breaker, breaker. Because we used to only be on five or six things, and by about episode 20, we got on every, approved every, for everything. Everybody. And then pretty late in the game, breaker comes in and makes Craig so happy. Well, we went downhill after so, that. So much emotion when he says breaker. Breaker, breaker. Yeah. And if you're a female, sorry, guys, would like to read the opening intro for At The Net Podcast and be an At The Net Girl, let us know. Because we're always looking for female voices, right, to do you the bet. intro. Yeah. Even in that female voice. Sorry, fellas. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we're, plenty, we're gonna... of, plenty of dudes here. We just yes. uh, we got to spread it out a little. <laughs> well, tonight we are honored and it's a privilege uh, to have uh, Jean Stasi, my friend Jean Stasi. I met her, had the privilege of meeting her about, what, about four years ago, Jean, maybe? Five years ago, something like yeah, that? Yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah, at least. Something like that. And, uh, you know, my life's never been the same. Uh, happy Easter, first off, Jean. I want to say that uh, it's, it's Easter. We're here on Easter Sunday. So thank you for joining us at the net. Uh, we really are going to have a great time, I think, uh, however long you can stay with us, whether it's uh, 10 minutes or 10 hours. We've got a lot of content to cover in a short, in a short period of time, right? She's laughing, so I guess 10 hours is probably a little bit much, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll see how far I can get. <laughs> well, we, we've got some five-hour energy. We'll send it over to you. We have energy. We have three sets to play. Let's go. That's right. That's Let's it. go. Well, Jean is, uh, like I said, a friend of mine from uh, a few years back. Met her here actually at, uh, around the Dallas area uh, at the club I teach, and uh, we were playing pickleball. And she, she started playing pickleball and, and with us at uh, the club at one time mm-hmm. and uh, all of a sudden has turned a uh, uh, a community on its head upside down with the tournament that she put together just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not what she did typically at, for a living. You're a pharmacist, aren't you, by trade? Isn't that, isn't that correct, Jean? That is correct. And you, and you hand out uh, all sorts of good drugs, right? Uh, I, yeah, I try to do that legally most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you from the Houston area? I know that you went to the University of Houston, right? Is that correct, down in, in right. the Houston area? I did go to the University of Houston. Oh, I actually grew up in Plano, Texas, and mm-hmm. um, uh, that and spent a little time in Arkansas and Oklahoma because I have relatives. Uh, my mother 
um, is from Arkansas, and my father was from Oklahoma, so um, we spent some time in both of those states as well. I went. I left Dallas to go to pharmacy school in Houston. Uh, they didn't have a pharmacy school in Dallas at the time. So what, what got you into pharmacy? What got you? Uh, my my father was a it was a pharmacist. He graduated mm-hmm. from OU uh-huh. uh, College of Pharmacy. Sure. So very yeah. famous school. Yeah, very very uh, uh, good school. You did you did, did you uh, want to be a uh, an alum of OU? Did you try to or did you just say hey I'd, I'd rather stay in Texas? Well, no, I actually thought about it, uh-huh. um, but the out-of-state tuition, um, it just made more sense to go to the University of Houston. <laughs> right. Yes, there's probably a little difference. Oh, he's pretty proud of their pharmacy program. Aren't they? <laughs> they are. Yeah. They are. Right. But then uh, what part of Oklahoma, because uh, me, me being from Oklahoma um, City. Well, um, Stigler and Hevener, Oklahoma, are where my family, my great-grandfather is an Indian um, a Choctaw Indian, full Choctaw, blood, and from uh, Hevener, Oklahoma. In fact, yes. he donated a uh, hundred and something acres for the Runestone State Park. That was an Oklahoma State Park. Yes, and so yeah, so big Choctaw Indians uh, uh, well, in as, Oklahoma. So. Well, we're, I'm on the Chickasaw side, so I, we, we always say Chokmai. I think you might say Chickasaw. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, the Chickasaw is a little better looking group, the Cherokees. <laughs> we, we're the short ones, the short little chubby ones. But anyway. I always, always say we're the, we're the richer of the two right now, I think. <laughs> yeah. we, we own One Star and uh, a few other things. And Choctaws were the smarter. They were the more educated. Actually, I think I believe that's true. Kid, kid you not, I think the, the Choctaw were the very well educated of all the, the Indian nations well, out there. And like, uh, we, we needed something. It wasn't. We didn't get the looks, so yeah. we we had to figure out how, how to get gaming going, and I think we've done a pretty good job of that. But uh, it, you know, Oklahoma is a great background. Where about in Arkansas? Did you live there a little bit too? Thirsty, Arkansas, um, and and then Glenwood, down close to Hot Springs, is where my mother was raised and born, and so a lot of her relatives are in that area. Well, that's, that's those are nice nice areas. Beautiful country, uh, Arkansas, uh, Oklahoma on the eastern side, uh, where you all were. That's a very nice area as well. You get a little bit western. It's not. Not quite. It looks more like the panhandle of Texas, yeah. so it's not uh, as scenic as the, the eastern side of the state, which is just right. like, just like it's Arkansas. A, it's know? so flat, you can watch your dog run away for three days. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'll have to use that one for next time I'm, I'm writing something. <laughs> so you can watch your dog run for three days. That's <laughs> That's that's see see not, not only is she smart she's very funny too yeah that was good. oh lord good line so, so what we're going to do in this this interview we're going we're going to break this into three parts hopefully so we're going to do this prior to pickleball uh, then pickleball forward in the second set and then our third set will be kind of pop culture we're going to ask you some hopefully some some thought provoking questions that. Uh, uh, you know, maybe, you know, some fun, fun stuff like favorite, you know, movie or band, you know, that, that kind of stuff. If, yeah. you, if you'll let us, is that okay? Okay. Okay. Sure. Okay. So, so now that, uh, uh, you grew up in, in Arkansas and Oklahoma, did you have a sporting background by, you know, any, did you do uh softball? I know softball is big around Oklahoma girls. Softball. I, I was a softball player, right? How That's did I right. I figured that out. You man. Knew. I knew it. Man. You profiled her quickly. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I just, I figured that, that she played <laughs> softball. the way I play pickleball. No, no. <laughs> Oh, you're a really good pickleball player. I knew you had to be an athlete of some sort because I've never really asked you about your background. So I'm just learning about you right now. So you played softball. Did you play competitive softball, high school, that kind of stuff? I played high school. I played a little in college, but I never was in the World Series or anything like that. I was, uh, you know, I, I was a decent softball player, but I didn't, you know, make, break any records or anything. Gotcha. But, but what position did you play just out of curiosity? 
I was a pitcher and a first baseman. All right. Yeah, good arm. You had a good arm, and I can see I can see that athletic ability, good catch. You know, you have good eye-hand coordination. Uh, did your dad, was he a sportsman or, or your, uh, your mom? Actually, that's what hurt me a lot. My father was a pharmacist, and he had a, a Ph.D. in chemistry, and he had a couple other degrees and something else. I don't even know, but he was very unathletic. He thought that athlete, athletic endeavors were a waste of energy. He was a person that liked to use his brain all the time. See? And so he, he, he wasn't real big. My mother, on the other hand, was she played basketball and wow. and she she was a she was a cheerleader not that that was my thing but my mother was pretty athletic and did a lot of things and she encouraged us to do sports so i kind of got my um my desire to play in sports for my mother so growing up did you play any other sports besides softball or was softball pretty much the this sport of choice um i played basketball whenever I, I was like in junior high school sure. unfortunately um we actually had there, there was five girls on our basketball team that went on to win state their sophomore, junior, and senior year, and they were amazing. And so uh, Beth Blakely was one of the girls in on our basketball team. And when I was in junior high, her favorite thing to do, I only learned how to shoot three pointers because I was so short I couldn't get anywhere but Beth would run all the way across the court just to stuff me when I <laughs> so I, I decided to retire in junior high school from basketball <laughs> but I went I, I rooted for them they were amazing and I was so proud of those girls they went on and did they they were college you know stars in basketball so we, we were very fortunate I guess like the University of Houston was yeah. You know, at one point, remember sure. when Houston was really killing it with basketball and had, yeah, sure. the best. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Faisalama Jamma. Yeah, that was. Yeah. They were so, mid, yeah. Mid so, yeah. 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 Right there. So, uh, a little of that going on. So, yeah. anyway, but I enjoy basketball, but I, I, I retired to fan and see in high school. So, yeah. And, and played softball, and then uh, you, you said Luling College. Did you go to junior college and play softball? Is that correct? I, no, I went to Harding University. Oh, Harding. And, Harding. Yeah, and uh, then uh, Harding did not have a pharmacy program, okay. so right. after after my pre-pharmacy, I went to Houston to gotcha. uh, finish my schooling. So Hard, Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas, right? Right. We, we have another mutual pickleball friend up there, don't we? We do. That'd be Coach A Dave very Ray. talented one. One yeah. of the best. One, one, one of the a best. Really good one. Yeah, actually, yeah. Coach Dave is, is a pretty good. Uh, maybe we'll get him uh, watching us here in a minute. Uh, I'm actually over on my my, my Facebook page instead of at the net. Uh, uh, somehow it, it shifted over. So now I've, I've got a lot of a lot of my uh, friends from uh, different parts of uh, this, <laughs> life. <They're> not, this, <laughs> this is your life. This is my life. I'm sitting there watching these people. Come on, who's watching? Uh, <clears throat> they're mostly, they're, uh, I don't know if they follow us on At The Net, but uh, I, I just shifted and I, we, I just got on, on Facebook Live. So I appreciate everybody watching. We're talking with Jean Stasny, uh, kind of setting the table a little bit prior to her pickleball career. Mm -hmm. We're going to get to that here in a second. Uh, so went to pharmacy school and uh, decided to, and graduated, looked like in around 1992. Also, of note, you were the class president. So you were a high achiever already at, at that big, age, big at early name. age. Right. Big deal. Is that correct? Oh, boy. I, had a, I didn't realize y'all had that information. Yeah, well, yeah our, that's, that's true. I was. Credit to our crackpot uh, research department. Uh, we don't miss it. We don't miss a trick. We don't miss a card out there, you know, Jane. So that's uh, 
Yeah, we, we find things out that, that you don't oh, want to be found out. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah class president. That. That, that's very impressive. So, tell us a little bit about that. Where, did you have to uh, run a big campaign? You know, like, uh, you know, did you go uh, talk and do all the the various talk show circuits around campus and talk to all the frats and sororities and campus you know, radio, campus radio, that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, no, not really. I think uh, they there was two or three of us nominated. I think Keith, somebody was running against me, and um, it was just, you know, it was in pharmacy school, so I think everybody just voted, and I somehow managed to be the choice. I'm not, at the time, I wasn't sure if that was a victory or, or a defeat, uh, because we were uh, really struggling in pharmacy school when we first got in. It wasn't easy, and mm-hmm. everybody had a lot of complaints, and uh, somehow the class president was supposed to solve all those complaints. So, But it turned out to be a, a really good thing. We actually were the first uh, class to do a community project for the city of Houston, and we went around to the elementary schools, and we did a drug education program for kids to uh, learn the difference of when to take medicine and drugs and when not to and who to trust and who not to. So it was really good. Um, so um, it was a fun time in, in, in pharmacy school. So you got mm-hmm. that, you got that organized. So you're already an organizer right there. You know? yep. Even in college, were you, were you the class president in high school also too? I was not. No, no. you had to be, you had to be organized something. I'm sure that you, you did something. I was you, in beta club and mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I did all right. I was yeah. a, I was a computer programmer. I did. Uh, oh, really? I was in the computer programming club in high school, and actually, I wanted to be a computer programmer in college. But um, this will tell how old I am. For if anybody's watching this young, they're going to laugh at this. But I, um, <clears throat> when I was in high school, we had the TRS eighty Radio Shack and Apple. Those were the only two computers yes. that existed, and everything that we did on both these computers primarily were games and so my dad did not have a computer in his pharmacy and at that point in time business people didn't see computers as a business tool they saw it as a thing you buy at home for your kids to play with and so my dad thought i was trying to go to college to play games and so he did not agree with my your choice decision so i had to change my I had to change my major, so I said, okay, I guess I'll be a pharmacist then like you. <laughs> so that's how that went. That's hilarious. Hey, uh, was your Tandy, uh, was your Radio Shack TRS-80, was uh-huh. the memory driven by a tape deck cassette? Yes. It was. Yes, and I'm so proud you even knew the word Tandy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I actually wrote a computerized Yahtzee game in high school, uh-huh. and it was all hard-coded linear code, so it was really hard. and what? and. You, I had to use asterisks, the asterisks, yeah. and I did a three-dimensional cube with asterisks, and then I would have the random, you know, roll, and then the dots would appear like it was a dice. It was pretty crazy. Wait, but. Way to bring it to the present, because we're now in 2020, right? I don't know. Right? That's and, true. We're getting, and, and, and we're getting is, out there. Yeah. And this has got to be the year of the asterisk. Well, it's got to be. Yes. I mean, oh, no, yes. and I'm not just talking sports. <laughs> Right? Would you think yeah, no you had, doubt, no doubt, man. You still have that Tandy computer? Or, or, I'm sure it'd be worth. I, I don't, I don't have it. No, <laughs> I'm sure it'd be worth something. I mean, I, you start thinking about a, a retro computer back in the, you know, the '80s like that. That's got to be worth something. I, I bet it would be worth as much as my 1981 Dunlop Maxply. Yeah, it might be like ten cents. Yeah, <laughs> uh, ten cents on eBay. Right. I got it. Plus uh, ten bucks <clears throat> shipping. That, that, there you go. Uh, so now, so down at the University of Houston, I'm gonna get back back there. And, and 
where'd you, where'd, after graduation, what'd you, what'd you end up doing? What life take you at that point? Well, I um, was fortunate. I've been very fortunate most of my life, but I, I was fortunate. A, a man by the name of Howard Beale. I actually, you know, in pharmacy school when I graduated, it was a very good time for pharmacy and for pharmacists because there was a shortage of pharmacists. So mm. when you graduated, you would get offered like a $10,000 bonus just to mm. sign up with somebody. Sure. And so that was a really, that was just a fort. It isn't that way anymore. In fact, I feel for the students today graduating. When I graduated pharmacy school, there was only three colleges of pharmacy in the whole state of Texas. Mm. And now there is 11 or 12. So um, it's harder for people to get jobs when you get out of school these days. But when I did, I had a few offers, and um, I had done a special project my, my last semester in pharmacy school on the subject of pharmaceutical care and reengineering pharmacy practice to be patient-centered, where we managed people and gave the medicine versus managing medicine and blindly giving it to people. Mm. So, so because of that project... Um, my professors had talked about it with some of the alumni and one of the alumni was really interested. So he talked to me and he offered to, you know, he, he, he offered me the same bonus, but he said, if you come to work for my little small chain of pharmacies, we'll let you put your project into our stores. So I'm like, well, that would be really cool. So I really was kind of passionate about it. Also, I agreed to move to Waco, Texas and uh, help, you know, and work with his, he had a chain of four drugstores, and uh, we implemented a model of pharmacy care back then. That's been, oh, 20-something years ago, um, and where we were doing more than just filling prescriptions, and we were managing MHMR patients in the community and helping them stay on their medicines, and MHMR is mental health uh, people. So we were doing things to keep them out of the hospital ERs and, you know, just various things where we were basically taking more responsibility beyond just filling the prescription to helping the person be successful. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how that went. So, and this was in that, the early nineties, correct? So you graduated, I think in 92, uh, University well, of Houston? that's right. Yeah. And so this has been 93, four, somewhere in that time frame in, in Waco. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, and then, were the, did you all venture into Temple? Because I know that you know Scott and White, you know that big uh, monstrosity Baylor, down there. Scott and White, Baylor, yeah. Scott and White, yeah. Did you all venture that far south with with the uh, the, the with the, the pilot? Yeah. Uh, well, indirectly, we didn't. It, his stores did not reach that far, but okay. there was a, a husband and wife that I was real involved with at the Texas Pharmacy Association. Sure. Scott Sabrasula and Paula Sabrasula, they were very involved with Scott and White, and they kind of collaborated and I think they did some things, you know, it, you know, kind of in collaboration, yeah. but it was, I didn't do anything directly. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But it's, it's still fascinating. I mean, you're studying, yeah. uh, somebody found a value and then how long did you continue on there in Waco then? Well, I got, I got really lucky. I, again, you know, it's funny how you start things. It's just like the Texas open. You, I, we just were trying to do a good practice, right? We were just sure. focused on trying to do good in the Waco area and try to, to, you know, deliver excellence with pharmacy practice and it caught on. And the next thing you know, I'm having, I'm going around the country. I'm being invited to go to these different state and national associations and actually eventually international pharmacy associations to explain 
and, and educate people on what we were doing mm-hmm. and why we were doing it and how they could do it. So that kind of kind of blossomed into that. And the other problem was the limitation that I had back when we started was we didn't have any computer technology to support what was going on. So the pharmacists were having to do all of their patient care on you know, the legal size manila folders and it was very laborious. So we ended up creating some pharmacy technology to help support the process that we were doing. And I ended up helping, you know, kind of in that part of the world where the pharmacy system vendors got involved and tried to improve our technology to help better support the patient and the pharmacist. So. You didn't write that on the Tandy, did you? <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. And I, did, I didn't write it. I was, I was, I was helpful in designing it, but I actually, there was real programmers that had actually yeah. gone to college and not had my yeah. father for their. <laughs> <laughs> so. and, and when you, when you spoke and shared a lot of this new information and, and sort of best practices, which countries did you go to? Um, I went to Canada. I was fortunate. I got to go to every province, including Nova Scotia. Um, uh, and then I went to Sweden and, uh, that was interesting. Um, I actually got lost trying to get to, I, I made the mistake of renting a car uh-huh. and I couldn't read any of the signs. So I got very lost, but I found this really cool little town called Marie Fred. Uh-huh. It looked like a little storybook town. Uh, and I never would have gone there otherwise. So it was wonderful, but I eventually found my way back to Stockholm and, and did what I needed to do there. But, um, I think I've been to, um, Mexico, believe it or not, the Yucatan Peninsula. We had a meeting down there and the Mexican, uh, pharmacy association was very interested in what we were doing. Although they were quick to tell me that they do everything in Mexican time, not American time. (laughs) (laughs) That's manana, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, yeah, so I got to go, you know, to a couple places in Europe. And but anyway, it was it was a good it was fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. So That's you, neat. You know, not only did you get to uh, practice pharmacy, but you got to, I guess, uh, teach uh, others about about your thought process. And that's got to be very um, uh, appealing, you know, because here's somebody now that appreciates what you're doing and uh, you're getting uh, a lot of recognition and from from your peers, yeah. basically. Yeah, that's 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 really a lot of fun from that standpoint. So, after how long how long did you work uh, f- for the particular company down in Waco? How long did you stay on? Um, I think we did a couple of few couple of years, but then we formed another company, um, okay. and that company was the one that we were doing software development and you know pharmacy workflow reengineering services and consulting and you know pharmacist clinical service training and 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 all that and then the speaking thing that i was doing so that was about i guess eight years that i did that so oh wow okay then after waco where'd you go to work did you come up to dallas Um, at that point we moved to dallas yeah Uh i moved back to dallas and then, I was planning on moving to Dallas when I graduated pharmacy school. Uh-huh. I just had a detour through Waco because of the opportunity he gave me. It's kind of it's kind of there. It's on the way to Dallas. It's yeah. on yeah. the way from yeah. Houston. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. well worth the signing bonus, right? Yeah, it was. It was worth it. That was wonderful. I enjoyed every moment of my time there. And Waco's a lot better town than people think. It's got a lot oh, yeah. there. There's Dr. Pepper was invented in sure. the original Dr. Pepper museums in Waco. And um, well, I was there when the Branch Davidian compound burned. Oh, I was oh, going to say that. Yeah, David Koresh. Uh, Koresh, yeah. yes. Oh, right. Wow, what a – did yeah. you ever go and visit that area? I remember um, we were 
we had just bought a house mm-hmm. and we were going to celebrate, you know, with out to eat to celebrate purchasing our first, our first house actually. And, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. our first house in Waco, I mean, and so there was TV cameras and everything interviewing all the different people, asking them what they thought about the branch Davidian compound burning. And, it's that we found out about it from there that situation well, i didn't even know it was happening so it was awful but um i know the mayor of waco was very upset because they uh kept saying that the branch davidian compound was in waco but it technically was not in waco it was in another little town about 15 miles from waco and so uh the mayor was trying to get with the news people and say you can't say this is waco it's not waco and and they said well nobody's going to know the name of the town that they're in so waco is the closest town and the mayor of of waco said hold on nobody's ever heard of waco either why don't you say it's near dallas why you gonna say waco and and so but anyway he lost that battle and forever the world will think that the branch davidian compound was in waco which it was not right it was what 15 miles outside of waco (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, it was kind of kind of close it's in the neighborhood Uh, dallas Dallas was not claiming it no Austin, no. Waco, nobody's claiming that guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you live in Beverly Hills there in Waco? Uh, no, um, right across. Um, Beverly Hills. Weezer wrote a song about Beverly Hills. Yes. Beverly Hills. Woodway. Yeah. I lived in Woodway. Uh-huh, Woodway. Yeah. I always find that fascinating because you think of Beverly Hills, yeah. you think of California. Most people yeah. who are watching this are probably going to go, Beverly Hills or in yeah. Waco? That's not in Waco. And it's like, yes, there is. There's, <laughs> there's Beverly Hills in Waco. Yeah, Everything's in Waco, right? <laughs> everything is in Waco. The, the, the trouble with the Beverly Hills in Waco, near Waco is, the zip code begins with a seven. That's right. Not a nine. Not a nine. Yeah, yeah. that's the right. that's how you really know. Right. There's a couple a couple of <laughs> digits off, right? Yeah. yeah. A little a little nineties reference for you, Gene Stasny. Yeah. Right. Right, right. So so after Waco, you come up to Dallas, uh, start working in, in Dallas. This is probably what, early two thousands, I guess. Something like that. Well, actually what happened was the the it was it was Y2K was fixing to hit. Oh, that's right. Yes. And yes. and my software, our, our company software system, was not prepared for Y2K. And everybody was freaking out, saying the world yes. was going to come to an end yes. and all that. Sky's falling. And we, all we did not have the money to redesign the whole technology system. So um, I sold, we sold, there were stockholders that helped, uh, that owned with me, and um, we sold the business to Foxmeyer Health Corporation uh-huh. in Dallas. Gotcha. And so they bought the, the business, and we all relocated, the programmers and me and the, you know, clinical trainers and the people that worked for the company relocated to Fox Myers home office in Carrollton, Texas, which is right outside Dallas. And so then Fox Meyer proceeded to go bankrupt like a year or two later. And so I, uh, McKesson was another wholesaler that came in and bought Fox Meyer out of bankruptcy and they had a pharmacy care system already. And so they were going to merge my our pharmacy care system with the 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 one that they had, and I didn't want to do that. So I asked if I could buy the company back. So I bought the company back, and at that point, I had to name it Jazz Corp because the the name had 
they had gotten rid of the name and everything, and nobody even knew what our company was. So, Jazz Corp, uh, is that a reference to your initials? Right, because that was the only way that the customers could identify after we had sold it and everything. It was named Pharmaceutical Care Services the first time, but mm-hmm. anyway... So we bought it back, and we took care of the customers, and then um, I eventually sold it for the final time to uh, the F. Doman Company up in Wisconsin. So, yeah, and and Jean goes also by Jean Ann. Do you, do you prefer Jean or Jean Ann? Did you... it, either way. Either way. Yeah, my, my family calls me Jean Ann, but a lot of my work colleagues call me Jean, so it's either so, way. When you're in trouble, it's Jean Ann, right? Probably true. Jean yeah, that's probably right. There we go. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Mom yelled out the back door, Jean Ann <laughs> get over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right now. But, okay, so after you sell the company, um, when did you start working for Walmart? Because I know you work for Walmart right now, right? How did you get involved with Walmart? I've heard of it. It's a big it's company, a, yeah? Kind of. Kind of, right? Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, so I got involved with Walmart because of a non-compete. So mm-hmm. when I sold my business, I went up to Wisconsin and helped them merge it together and work for them for a while. And then I came back home to Dallas. And I was trying to, f- I went to work for Medco, which was a mail order company. Sure, I mean, but, uh, And mail- Medco was pretty best in class for mail order at the time and was a mail order mail order is that brides or um (laughs) medicine oh gotcha okay hence the name med okay yeah Yeah. sorry so then i was i'd gotten to be a supervisor there so i was trying to go to work for caremark which was medco's competitor uh, because they had offered me uh, a management role that would be another promotion and medco found out because Apparently, the Joe Frendo, who was the GM for Medco's wife, worked at Caremark, which I'm not sure how legal that should have been. But anyway, <laughs> she told she told Joe, and so uh, Joe reminded. I didn't realize that when I'd signed my employment contract, I'd signed a non compete. Wow. So he proceeded to remind me of that. So right. I'm I'm like, okay, well. I guess I'll just go to work for Walmart. Do you yeah, have a sure. problem with that? And they're like, no, we don't care if you work for Walmart. So that's how that went. And, then, and what year was that? Probably how long have you been working for Walmart? Oh, my goodness. I've been with Walmart for 12 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. late late 2000, around 2008, seven. seven I think seven, 2007, eight. yeah. Mm-hmm. Seven, eight, somewhere in that time frame. All right. So we're talking with Jean, Jean Ann Stasny, as, as her mom calls her probably. Jean, yeah, yeah. I call her Jean Stasny. We'll just say J-A-S. Because yeah, we like yes. we like uh, the letters. Like we do. A-J-C. I'm <laughs> CB1. CB1. You'll be J-A-S. We'll, 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 we'll put you in, in the club with the, uh, the trinomial Okay, letters. CB. What's yeah, that? Roger, Roger that, CB. <laughs> Thank one, you. CB1. Yeah, Roger that. Because <laughs> Chris Bell is CB2. That's right. So you're your okay. kid. He's a heck of a player. Yeah, she Roger. Might, she Roger knows she be too. Yeah, she That's knows right. That. Yeah. So uh, we're we're talking with Jean. We're getting getting her uh, her background, and then now we're gonna let's, let's shift into pickleball because I'm yeah. interested to hear your pickleball story. So <laughs> hey, got, good. Yeah, that's what I like. That's what I thought we were gonna no, talk about. No, well, we want we gotta set the table first. You know, it's kind of like Easter <laughs> Easter Sunday. You gotta set the table. Yeah. First set. Yeah. First set was set the table, and here we are. And second, second set. Second set. We're going for the ham. We're going for the turkey. Yeah. We're, we're going for everything <laughs> right now. Yeah, the prime rib. This is it. So, so how did you get involved in pickleball? Tell, that's got to be an interesting story too. Oh, oh, yes, it is. I went to Florida on vacation. That's a lot of people. Yeah, they had a pickleball. Well, first of all, they had a lot of things that were going on at this resort, and I did. I was like. 
not into anything because I'm so tired. I was just trying to lay. I just wanted to lay on the beach and swim by the pool. But everybody was calling me this fuddy daddy. So I'm like, okay, I'll <laughs> do something. You're a so, by any means. <laughs> so they have this list of activities, and I had never heard of pickleball. And I honestly thought it had something to do with a pickle. And anyway, I said, okay. They said, well, you've got to pick one of these things. We're going to do one of these things. You're not. So I'm like, okay, let's try this pickleball thing. You did it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, give me the pickle. Let me see yeah. the pickle. Let's go hit it. Yeah. Yeah, but so uh, there was uh, Nancy Meyer and Cindy uh, were the trainers, and they had they had a little pickleball company thing that they did. They sold paddles and balls, and they did training. Mm-hmm. And they they were doing a little workshop, and basically you went through a couple of days of classes, and then they had a little tournament at the end where you got to play. And so I I did it and i was just and i fell in love with it like everybody else does as soon as i started playing it did did you stop had you you done any you know after high school playing softball had you done anything really other than pharmacy business that kind of stuff had you i had not in fact craig i had developed diabetes because i had done nothing but eat a lot of you know professional dinners and speaking and traveling and sitting on my butt and not much exercise so yeah i was i was uh, i was overweight and not healthy so 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 pickleball it came at a good time basically it did it really did and then all of a sudden you, you got hooked on pickleball came back to to dallas i guess and then kind of what took place after that yeah well i actually for walmart i actually took a position as a director and general manager for walmart specialty pharmacy in florida now i was i did that after i came back home after vacation the job came up so i moved to florida i actually my daughter finished high school Mm -hmm. in florida uh, and went on to college in florida um i was there for a few years running that mail order facility for walmart so gotcha. i i kind of got to play some more pickleball i got really involved while i lived over there in that role and then i came home after my i was done with that and my daughter had graduated and gone on to college i went i was missing home so my sister had gotten ill too so i wanted to come home and be closer to home and you've got a couple of kids right uh, i do uh-huh and, and- Go ahead. And I was going to say, how many siblings do you have? I have, well, I had, my mother had two litters of puppies. That's like how I like to explain it. <laughs> my mother was married to a, a doctor, and she had three kids, and he flew his own plane. He would he had race horses, and oh, he would okay. fly his plane to go and watch them. Anyway, yes. he was gone, or coming back um, from seeing one of his horses race, and uh, he was flying over the Ozark Mountains in a storm, and mm. he crashed into the Ozark mm. Mountains and passed away. Mm. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, it was sad for my mother. And then mm. um, my mother eventually met my father, and she married him, and she had three more kids. So mm. she had, I was the oldest of the second litter. Gotcha. And so that would be, there are six kids in the family, so you're one of one of six. Mm. Oh, one of six, right? Okay, wow, that's that's a big family. Fourth of six, that's, yes. yeah, yeah, that's, that's a big, right, right, big right. family, and a couple of kids of your own. So yeah, you got you all have a lot. Uh, we're we're glad to have you on Easter because you probably have a lot of uh, family <laughs> yeah. around. Well, and, social and, distancing is important, right? Now. <laughs> right now, well, you could be. It could be if it's under normal circumstances. Yeah. There, there's a lot of uh, people at the uh, Stasny table. All right. 
Yeah. But but anyway, so so I, sorry I got sidetracked there. So yeah. I want to want to understand about your family a little bit. But no, you moved back and uh, you said you you want to get clo- uh, be closer to one of your sisters. I take it. Right. My my father had gotten ill and. Um, so my sister had been keeping me abreast of what was going on with him, and then she started to feel bad, and I thought maybe it was just the pressure of dealing with my dad and everything, so I was trying to come back home and help, be more helpful, and um, when I got back, I said, you know, just get get some rest, sis, and go to the doctor and, you know, get to feeling better, and so she went to the doctor, and sure enough, they, they did a biopsy, and she had Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it was a really very dark period in my life because my dad and my sister were the two most important people in my life. I mean, they, my, I was a daddy's girl and my sister was my very best friend in the world. And, uh, so my dad was on hospice when we were taking my sister down to Houston to try to save her life. And, uh, it was just a really, really tough period. Yeah. I imagine so. That's too bad. And, uh, so, uh, you know, your dad, uh, did he live around the Dallas area? Was he back? In- he did. Oh, he okay. never left Dallas. Yeah, okay. he, he was. He lived in Dallas you know, the whole time. Um, okay. One thing that I, I would say that this probably is what spawned the, to tie back in the pickleball sure. piece. I, I didn't leave Florida. I, Dallas has always been my home, and, I, you know, I, I'll always feel like it's my home. But um, my... Um, you know, I didn't really want to leave Florida. I liked, I liked my job. I liked playing pickleball. The weather was great. And I only came home because of my family and their, you know, and and our health situation. So I came, I came back to Dallas thinking, I I remember telling my son, you know, I'm going to gain 25 pounds and I'm going to have, you know, they, you know, have to watch my shop. All you do, all I did in, in Dallas was shop and eat. And, and I was like, I'm, I want to keep exercising and I want to play pickleball. And so I came home to Dallas trying to find pickleball. And the only pickleball that we had at the time was indoor in the basketball court type Yep. Pickleball. Rex Henry, and that kind of thing. I was very frustrated because I had played only outdoor pickleball from Florida. Yep. And so poor Charlotte Rivera is one of my dear friends and I love her dearly. Poor Charlotte took so much of a beating for me because I was always telling her that we weren't playing real pickleball. <laughs> and I, I, and, and, and she was kind you know, so funny. It was a poor lady. I, I love her. Hey, and anyway, gee, um, yeah, uh, she, she, she handled it very well. I must did. say we're still friends in spite of all that. And, um, so I remember coming Craig to, bent tree to play with you guys yes. and i was so mad because we were using the jug balls in your in your tennis <laughs> indoors too we were playing indoors you remember you remember oh, absolutely. at least it was on a hard court though and at some point oh i know right i was so happy about that yeah. when i got to go there I, it was like i you know like christmas for me i was so like oh my goodness we're gonna get to play pickleball on tennis surface and then i saw the jug balls and i'm like oh my god oh sad (laughs) hey take us uh if you could take us gene through some of the difference between the wood floor on a basketball court and the outdoor and even here at bent tree with the uh 
or over at the club yeah. with sure. the um, yeah. with the hard court, right. but it's indoors. Tell, tell us, so yeah, right. tell us just, yeah. Yeah. and don't don't be afraid to get a little technical. Our, sure. our people at home uh, want to hear this. Okay, great. I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, before I do that, oh, I yeah. want to let everybody know that I have since grown up and stopped being such a child. There is indoor pickleball and outdoor pickleball, and yeah. I have equal respect for both both venues. But the primary difference that they're actually a little different game. Um, it indoors. It, on a basketball court surface or a volleyball court surface, right. depending on who you ask, the game is is usually much more of a lobbing game uh, indoor, and and the ball bounces really high. Okay, in fact, the jug ball. I don't know what the official status is now, but back whenever this this period of time was happening, the jug ball was actually counted as an illegal ball for tournaments because it bounced too high oh, and so uh, pickleballs are you know to be used in in tournaments they have to have a certain bounce they can't bounce over a certain amount certain when points. they're when they're dropped and uh, there's some official testing the usapa does to determine but anyway and i uh, object to this change no <laughs> i want the ball to ball the, the ball to bounce high no yeah, well, so do, yeah, a lot of people like it better. Um, but the thing is, when the ball bounces high, you get into a lot, you know, there, there's a whole different rhythm to the game yeah. uh, because of that. And the other thing is, there's not as much diversity to the ball. Um, the Those balls that they use indoors, they usually don't have as much ability to perform to impart different kinds of spin yeah, and sure. wow. it's not as it's not as intelligent of a ball I see. it's it's uh, much more of a banger type game or a uh, you know a lob and lob and drive type game uh, the tennis players i would think would like that because they they want to serve and volley and all that kind of thing but yeah, um, might that? get in trouble getting in the kitchen doing that but what's wrong with that gene uh, totally, come on totally you know? correct yeah. serve and volley what's right you know? but the outdoor ball is it, it requires you to use your legs more you have to get you know bend your knees more it's you know the ball doesn't bounce as high so but uh, there's a lot more the generally speaking the pros prefer uh that ball because there it's more intelligent it can do more things a and they more, can do more, more diversity a yeah. little more diversity and inclusion which is very trendy yeah, and hot very, now. very, very, very right. important yeah right but they're both like fun games to play and i i mean i i like playing with all i'm ball agnostic now i, I <laughs> you know, managed to grow up and, and allow myself to be ball agnostic at this point. But nice. I, I do still prefer the outdoor game, um, and um, I, but I, I like all the games now. Wow. And so so you started, you found the, a, a kind of a pickleball community with Charlotte. Uh, people were starting to play more probably than, because Florida was a hotbed probably when you were there, where Dallas, kind of this area, has just uh -huh. caught fire, I'd say, the last couple of years, right? All right. Yeah, it was really. I'm thankful for Dom and Charlotte and you, Craig, and and you know um, David Redding and mm -hmm. you know the folks that were able to you know give us a platform uh, to play. Even Dom Senior, I, yeah. I love Dom Senior a lot. He, you know, that man is amazing, and so I appreciated the the family you know welcoming. It was a tough time for me coming home anyway. So my pickleball family. Um, you know, actually, I have to credit my pickleball family with helping me through the hardest part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, uh, 
my sister ultimately passed away and I was so distraught by it. I actually quit my job and everything for a while. I just Mm. was a little bit lost. And uh, Stephanie Lane from Nashville, um, Stephanie and uh, and Nicole Hobson and Uh Rick Hobson. And anyway, they, Stephanie called me and said, what are you doing? And I said, you know, I, I was really kind of distant and didn't really say much. And she knew that my sister had passed away. So she said, why don't you come to the nationals and, and stay in our house with us? And I, nice. I was like, um, I, I don't even know. I, I, I've, I'm not been playing, Stephanie. I don't, she goes, no, you know, don't you don't have to play. Just come. Just come mm-hmm. and be with us. And so. I, for whatever reason, had just, I hadn't been hardly out of my house in like six months at that point, except to go to the grocery store and get back home. My dog had spent most of the time with my dog. And even my kids, I wasn't really spending a lot of time with. And I just decided, okay, I'll go. So I packed up and went to Arizona to the USAPA Nationals and stayed with the national folks. And they were very, it was a great time. They were so kind to me and um, they were very supportive, and I got to see pickleball played at the yeah. top levels for about the first time. I, I met Jennifer LaCour and Alex Hamner and Enrique Ruiz and Wesley Gabrielson and they and Daniel Moore. I'll never forget Daniel Moore and Wesley Gabrielson were playing in the final against oh, each other wow. in singles. And so, you know, and Jennifer and Alex, who are the all-time winning women's doubles team in the world, and maybe the all-time winning team in the world. I don't know. But um, they were just so sweet and kind and helpful. And I don't know. I just had a great time. And I learned I had never seen dinking before. That they, Where I'd learned in Florida, they were not playing the dink, the dink in the soft game. It was all, you know, kind of a banger type game. Mm-hmm. And when I was at the that National that first year, I saw the dink. And I thought, what the heck? I didn't like it at first, to be honest. Really? I thought it was dumb. I thought it was a dumb-looking shot. Yeah. We have one of the greatest dinkers on uh, the live stream right now, Tyson, Tyson McGuffin. It, big man. Oh, wow. We, we need to pay homage to Tyson, number one player in the world. Yeah. yeah he, oh, he's absolutely. Listening, he's listening to uh, Gene Stasny. Uh, well, I'm a big Tyson McGuffin fan, and he knows that. Yeah, so he does. That's, you know, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, you know what I like about Tyson McGuffin is uh, I met him at a national – um, I'm trying to think of which national it was. Uh, anyway, it was uh, when he first started, and um, he was competing at the top top level. And you know, he you know he was he looked he was a tennis player, so he was learning the game. And you know, tennis players come in with an advantage because they're so you're, they're usually athletic in general, and then their game, their skills, they can use you know, most of them transfer, but of course there is some nuances to pickleball. Mm -hmm. And, but Tyson was so amazing. He had the fastest footwork and his, his, his paddle prep, that man has three years to hit the ball. He is so quick to get in position and get his paddle ready. And, And it was so clean and he, um, but you know, he had a lot of, you know, challenge in the beginning and, you know, it's tough. The, the level he plays, that's tough stuff. And yes. uh, so, you know, he was taking his lumps and things. And um, anyway, he, he was just so respectful and kind and, and professional and just had a good positive spirit about him. And I, I think I went up to him at one point and told him how 
I thought he was going to be something big. You saw it. Okay, <laughs> and, that's what I was going to go and, with. Uh, you. Yeah, you and, knew. Uh, he right. smiled and, you know, I said, you know, uh, I really think so, sir. I really think you're going to be something. You really are talented. Don't give up on that. <laughs> he's got like 1% body fat. <laughs> yeah, too, now man. I'm sure he's laughing. So but it's like, oh, uh, right. so, um, but he was just so professional and so such a nice person and um it's nice to see a talented person that is also a nice person yeah so so even like so now go back going back to the the uh, tournament in arizona so those people welcomed you as well you know i think the pickleball community there's something special we're adrian and i were talking about that before we we uh uh started doing the live stream there there's a uniqueness a genuine uniqueness about the pickleball community i just find really refreshing and it sounds like you found that also too you're right. Um, you know, Craig, um, I, I credit 100% of my passion and work in pickleball to do with the fact that it. I believe that it helped me want to live and enjoy life again. And I am so passionate about keeping the community spirit of pickleball. And uh, pickleball is a different sport than any other sport in the world. There's no... There's no sport that I know of where in one location you can have a 12 year old and an 89 year old and all ages in between playing the same game at the same time and everybody's smiling and after they people arch enemies I mean you know Tyson and and all these arch enemies on the court they go and have beer and eat food with each other after it's all over and we do the same at the amateur level I mean you know we compete like we're trying to kill each other on the court and then we get off the court and we're having a good time and we're eating and and spending time with each other and that 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 community is is what makes pickleball different for me i i I feel a little bit of that in tennis but uh i had the opportunity to play a little bit of rugby in the 90s and we had that too but pickleball is just there's it's just so much safer and there's so, so there's nobody's going to tackle blood. you. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I would I would say pickleball safer than rugby. Yeah, Clearly. that's the thing. I admire rugby players. They're tough. I mean, they are tough. Yeah. So, Gene, now, now tell tell us the thought about the Texas Open. Where'd you come up with this thought? Why'd you do it? You know, and uh, what's kind of give us some background on that because I'm we're really fascinated. Cause this is really I think this is the meat of the. The, uh, the meal right now yeah. is what we're going to be right. talking about for the next few minutes. Yeah, is, deep, deep in the second set. Th- this is it right here. This is where I think the rubber meets the road for me. Yep. And, I, I, cause I, and, I, and I know you pretty well, but I'd, I've never really get, got to talk with you about the essence of why start the Texas Open because you've got a nice job. You've got a nice life. You've got uh, you know, things going you know, for you, and all of a sudden you're going to go, ooh, I'm going to go out and try to make this event. And not just make it a little event, but make it this unbelievable ex- event. If no one's played that's, that's listening right now, you've got to come, come participate, come see the Texas Open because you've done a fabulous job. All right, go, give it, give it to me. <laughs> well, I, I think maybe there might have been a little bit of craziness that made me start the <laughs> Texas Open. I, I, I want to know, but I think it was a, a, a several things that that caused. Of course, I didn't know when I started the Texas open, what I would eventually be, you know, uh, trying to accomplish. I, I don't think I had the whole thing in my mind that, that it turned into or else I might not have been so brave, but, um, pickleball, I, I really pickleball was starting to be more organized 
Um, and it was starting to be, um, you know, it was, the stage was, was, there was opportunity for the stage to be a larger stage. Mm-hmm. And I, I really thought this is going to sound, this is going to sound corny or hokey, but it's the truth. So I'm just going to say it. No, no. I wanted to see the large stage be managed by players or a player that understood the pain and the pleasure points of the players. Because I had, I mean, uh, with all due respect to the other tournaments and Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed, uh, you know, I look up to other tournaments in our, in our, in our industry. um, I just wanted to see what I could do to make a player driven experience that wasn't vendor driven that wasn't um i mean we have vendors and we we work hard to provide value to our vendors but the the drive behind the texas open is to is to serve the player and everything that we do everything that we expect the vendors to do every everything that we create is to add value to the player and um uh so that 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 was important to me. I, I Dallas is a sports town. Really, uh, we are. You know, we do sports in Dallas, and I I be, developed a relationship with the Dallas Sports Commission and educating them about pickleball. And I just I just said, what? Why can't we do something great for pickleball? I mean. Florida has done something great to step to help pickleball. I mean, nobody can argue that the U.S. Open did great things in Naples to help move pickleball forward. And so the Nationals, the USAPA and the Nationals, and especially, you know, when they brought it to Indian Wells, I mean, they did, they helped create a lot of credibility and they got a lot more benefit and opportunity for pickleball and pros and amateurs with with what their efforts and i said why can't i said dallas knows how to do sports let's see what we can do to help elevate the game and make a better experience for players you did and i know you got you got a committee together you start talking to people or did you just sit there and think okay did you write this down like i need this this and this or did you just say i played some tournaments these are the things that i think that uh we need to do and then I know you've well, committed. It was a combination of things. I, you know, I'd done a lot of research on my own, and I'd been to a lot of events, sure. and I knew a lot. But I also interviewed a lot of people that I respect. And then I, when I decided to try it, I'm like, uh, there was a couple of people. I, I was like, I really, this is what am I doing here? This is this is going to be crazy. So actually. And whether he wants me to embarrass him or not, Craig Bell was one of the people that I called. I was very, yes. very concerned about you know, putting on such a large event. And I know Craig had a lot of experience at putting on professional events and he has, he's a very level headed man and a very good, he has good judgment. And so I reached out to get his counsel (laughs) and, uh, I called Melissa McCurley. I called, um, Lucy Kovalova and Sarah Ansbury and, um, Oh, I'm hoping I'm sure I missed some people, but I, I called several people, Jennifer LaCour. Yes. Um, I, I called some people that I trusted and respect Gigi LaMaster. She yes. also helped me a lot. Um, there was, you know, quite a few people that were willing to, to, 
you know, chime in and give me their two cents to help. Yeah. Well, and then these were these oh, are all people um, that me too in Houston. Me too. Also, yeah. uh, she was a yes. USAPA ambassador, and she she actually was the one that designed the first and second flyers for the Texas Opens. Mm. Yeah, very attractive. I mean, that the, the Texas Opens. If if people will type in the Texas Open on on uh, fa- actually a Facebook page, you've got that. You've got a zillion pictures over there. Massive. And uh, if you type in Texas Open, you'll see a lot of what. Uh, what we're talking about because it's it's not just you know tournaments are tournaments and it doesn't tournaments come and go but events and you created an event that just was just off the chart the first year and you you did that in spite of weather that did not cooperate whatsoever (laughs) yeah that was crazy i mean you know i have to say the the texas open has been successful because a lot of people have put their hearts into owning the mission statement and that we wanted to create an experience you know, above all in pickleball, and we wanted to drive uh, amazing, amazing experiences for the players. And and I have to say that that first year tested everybody to the T. Uh, we actually had planned how to have the event at our outdoor venue, and then I had created a relationship with uh, uh, Lifetime to create a backup venue in the event that had bad weather. Now, I, I remember, yeah. you know, even – like I've been Paquette and some of them, I was making everybody make double plans. So what are we going to do if we're here? What are we going to do if we're here? If we have to move, how's that going to work? And everybody thought I was crazy. All right. Because at the time there was no rain anywhere in the area. And so everybody was starting to think they wanted to kill me probably. And I was like, no, we, we have to be prepared because if it does happen, if we're not prepared, then we will it, it will ruin the experience, and we have to be organized so that if it happens, we can execute. And and you know it's so funny. Ben gave me a hug after the first year, and he said, "I, I see, I see what you're saying," <laughs> yeah. because uh, we we pulled it off. I mean, we moved it. I have to say, Craig, I'm I pressured Craig so much with uh, the the live stream because I was you know trying to run. You know yeah. the Olympics, and uh, I wanted—I expected him to be, you know, CBS Sports right overnight, and uh, uh, so, and not only do that, but be able to relocate himself to another location and do the same thing over again. Yeah, so I appreciated him, him uh, rising to the—he did a great job that first year, and we we had—I mean, we discovered some pros. Uh, you know, the Texas Open uh, is a—we're it, it, independent thinkers here in Texas. We have we have a maverick streak through us, and. Part of the beautiful thing about the Texas Open, it's the Texas Open was made for all players, mm-hmm. all players. Okay, and to that end, you can enter any any of this the amateur or the skill age events uh, for che- probably a cheaper price than any other tournament in the world. Okay, at least definitely at that at the same level. I mean, there may be a local indoor gym tournament that you can get in for cheaper but it's it's very inexpensive to play and we've created a category for even the pros to play at that cheap level um and and allow the amateur 5-0s to not have to compete against the pros so we you can enter at 5-0 or 5-5 and if you're a 5-5 plus player then you play against other 5-5 plus players but if you're 5-0 to 5-4 then you're you're playing just that group. So, um, but anyway, but we also created the, the open 
the Texas Open Challenge. And we challenged the whole world to say, if you think you got what it takes to beat everybody in the world, then you come here. Because we're in the middle of the country. Right. So that all the people from California don't always get all the way over to Naples. Sure. And all the people on the East Coast and Naples don't always get to the national over in California. Mm-hmm. But we had almost everybody come into the middle to say to decide who was the best of the best. Oh, yeah. And was awesome. So, um, but in all the other big tournaments, you have to qualify or be already designated as a pro. And um, in the Texas Open, you you just have to believe you're a pro yep. yourself. Hey, you're now, come on in. Uh-huh. So you, if you believe you've got what it takes to take on the best in the world and win some prize money, then you're welcome. Uh, we don't make that entry cheap because a you're you know going to be playing for you know fifty or sixty thousand dollars this year or some you know something crazy, but. The other reason we don't make it cheap is we don't want the pros to have to play through everybody that just wants to play because they got to play. So we make the price high enough to where you have to really believe you got a chance to take them on or you want the chance to take them on and you want it bad enough that you'll pay to play. And so that keeps it from being too many people entered into the tournament. But because of that, we have an open invitation. The Lee Waters and Anna Lee Waters came, and we were their first big open to play. And they were basically discovered, you know, at the at the pro level at our tournament. That's right. I uh, remember, yeah, remember, and nice I think Frank summer. Anthony Davis Water. also oh, really? um, yes. in singles. Um, and you know, we we pride ourselves on being a place where pros can get discovered. Mm-hmm. So. I remember when I was broadcasting, they, they're all through The grandmother, the mother, and the, and the daughter were there. It was, it was Lee Waters, Anna Lee Waters, and Anna Waters. There was Lee. Anna, Anna was the young one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Them, and they're, but they're they are such Anna a Lee. It was all they awesome. are so awesome. They're, they're such nice a people. nice family. Yes, they're they so classy. Yeah. And I just can't say enough nice things about those people. And they, they're talented and they work hard, but they're just as humble and down to earth as anybody in the world and i gotta say the first year craig was so cool when we were you know playing over there in the indoor environment i went and found anna lee and i went and found dom greco and dom was 88 or 89 years old and he was the oldest player in our tournament and anna lee was like 11 or 12 she was the youngest player in our tournament Mm. and i introduced them to each other on facebook live and they had a little chat and they talked about strategy and their pickleball game with each other and for me that was so i don't know that might have been the highlight for me of the whole tournament you know just to be able to see and to see the beauty of of multiple generations all feeling inspired and, and alive at the same time. Yeah, Pops is great, and, and to talk to Anna Lee like that, I mean, Pops Greco, there ain't anybody nicer than that that man right there. Anytime I had a chance to, I, I, I would play with Gene anytime, yeah. but but Pops was right there also too because he, he's just one of those guys that uh, – uh, he, he's just funny, and he's he's fun to be out there, and he just has a uh, some a sense of life that uh, uh, you don't always get. Uh, he's not get off my lawn, old man. Not at all. Huh? N- not, not at like all. us. Not like you. Yeah, Adrian, yeah. But you know, pops is was great. I did. I I had forgotten that. Yeah, that you introduced those two. But yeah, that that, that was a great event that first year, in spite of about twenty thousand things going wrong for him. <laughs> 
talking about. Yeah, we had some bad weather. We did, oh but gosh, um, yeah. but we survived it. Actually, we didn't miss yeah. it. But from what I got yeah. from the reviews, we didn't. The team yeah. performed, and we we moved the entire tournament in yeah. a couple of hours, yeah. and it went, went on without a hitch. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it, it it was very smart of you to uh, think about Plan B yeah. because now last year you had just the opposite of it was it was about as hot as you could get at that time frame as opposed to the year before as wet as you could get you had you had both extremes going uh, i know yeah. I, I, that stupid hurricane that ran up the east coast shifted the weather pattern yes. over and we were 11 degrees above average yes or uh, the and the humidity was also well above average we're in dallas as you know craig we're not high high humidity we don't have low humidity we're medium but but it was like you i felt like we were in florida you could have cut the air with a knife and And, uh, so it was challenging but we were prepared and you know we had a lot of resources ready and and planned and thank goodness we were able to handle everything that was was hitting us but I did move the tournament this year to the first week at September 30th through October 4th, just to protect us a little more. I don't really think we'll ever see those kind of temperatures in September anytime no, soon, no, but so. just to be safe, I, I did move it to the first week, basically of October. Yeah. And I, and I hope uh, uh, we're going through a terrible pandemic at the moment. Oh. And uh, uh, a lot of things that are, are taking place, uh, we're social distancing. You know, we're actually about uh, 60 feet apart, but it looks like we're together. So we've got a black you know, hat right the there big hats, if yeah. you're watching us on uh, Facebook Live. Yeah. But you, you've, you've got it spaced out right now. It looks like that maybe there might be some opportunities. But that, that event, I'm sure that you're probably paying attention to what's going on out there. And hopefully that event gets to still keep its time in, in late September and early October in Dallas, right? Right. Yeah. Basically, our position right now, I have delayed the registration. Uh, Originally, early registration was going to be May 1st. And um, then I think uh, we were going to follow up with regular registration a couple of few weeks later. Uh, We have delayed registration until June um, June 15th, I believe. And uh, we're trying to, you know, make sure that we think that it will be possible to have the tournament before we bother to have everybody register. If we have everyone register and it does turn out to be unsafe for us to have the event, then then everybody needs to know that the Texas Open will give a 100% refund of money, no questions asked. Yeah, um, so nice. uh, there won't be anybody losing their money if they register for the Texas Open. That uh, I believe, though, I mean, you know, unless things – change and there seems to be a resurgence of this of the disease um it looks like at this point that we should be able to have the tournament um obviously we will have you know a real clean environment and we'll do everything that we can i've I've even started talking to some of the health professionals here in dallas to see maybe we should check temperatures at registration or you know do do some things just to give people some added security to make sure that they feel safe. But it's really too early for us to see and know exactly what the, the climate's going to be uh, and the situation. So we're just in a sitting in a holding pattern right now for, for the Texas Open. I do want to say, though, that if any in any way people could be put at risk, we will cancel it. So it won't, it won't, be, a, it won't be a question. It'll just be a, hey, we'll see you guys next year. You must have really done your research. Folks at home, the dates on that, the new dates are September 30th through October 4th. 
same date or the same finals weekend as the French Open. Roland Garros ends also on the 4th, so well done there. Yeah, that's not too good for our tennis people, but it is good because they'll have tennis on all the TVs in the clubhouse, I'm sure, so we'll be able to watch between matches. Let me me ask you a question. Can I I go back just a a second because I know you're a pharmacist. Do you you think we're going to find, you know, a cure? Because what's your medical opinion about, uh, you know, the drug that is a hydrochlorine, hydro... yeah, the, the malaria the drug, Plaquenil, yeah. and everything—the malaria drug, yeah, yeah from uh, yeah India. Um, <clears throat> my personal opinion is it's it probably doesn't work that well. Okay. Yeah. In in certain cases it might, but but for most it yeah. probably doesn't. Yeah. yeah, I definitely don't think it's a solution. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, or at least not the solution we're looking for. Sure. So. Um, I also, unfortunately, I mean, I've heard some good news about some new ways to create vaccines. I know in the British, in the UK, they've come up with some modern ways to develop vaccines. Um, here in the United States, Johnson and Johnson and some others are pursuing a vaccine, but that vaccine is 12 to 18 months away. Interesting. Okay. So we're still not over this thing, but it's probably, is the, the curve, what you hear, is it flattening a little bit? Do you think we'll get back to some type of normal where we can get out and do some things like pickleball? Yeah, uh, it's definitely flattening here in Dallas. I, I don't think that, you know, I, I mean, we're being cautious and everybody's still social distancing and we're trying to be responsible, but I don't think that it's going to be a hot spot for Dallas. Uh, so I think that people will be safe to come to our our neck of the woods. Sure. I don't know what's going to happen in New York. Um, it's They say it's flattening. They say that the new cases have died down. And looking at, I was just watching Bloomberg. Um, it looks like Beijing, China is going to reopen their schools. So, um, it, you know, chi- the Chinese seem to be getting their arms around it. So hopefully... You know, we'll learn from them, and and um, Italy, I think, has slowed down. Spain had a little bit of a uptick on Friday, but you know, uh, it looks like it's possible to get past it. I I, I think at some point, I I also find it interesting since you asked the question, and I'm a nerdy mm-hmm. pharmacist that likes to right. learn. Um, Sweden has come up with a completely different approach, and so it'll be interesting to see how Sweden fares compared to some of our other cultures and countries. Sweden chose a different path. What they're doing is they have isolated their fragile. So if you're an elderly patient or a person that has underlying conditions or immunocompromised, they have sequestered and and required those people to self-isolate, and they have let the rest of their world continue. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was something that they're letting them go to work. They go to the restaurants. They go to the uh, well. The pubs. Their argument is they want they want to let that that uh, virus get into their healthier population and antibodies be developed. And they they talk of a herd of yes. a herd protection, yes. so that that somehow the the virus will be dis you know. You know, kind of disengaged by the, the the community that is healthy enough to will overcome it, and so they have instead of shutting the whole world down, just isolated the the people that would be at highest risk to dying from it. Right. So if they have allowed people that might catch it and might have some symptoms to go ahead and catch it, and uh, so that's what they're doing. So we'll see. I mean, yeah. the, the positive is that it kind of makes sense what they're doing. But, I I mean, it, they, you know, they just were worried about protecting the people that they thought would die. 
and everybody else, they're like, you know, hopefully you won't get it. But if you do suck, you know, deal with it and, and, and keep moving. So I don't know, but they haven't shut their economy down. So they're economically in a better spot than we are. Yeah. I mean, I just worry about the economic standpoint. That's just, that's just me. Uh, yeah, economic- I'm worried about it too. I mean, I'm a health professional, but at some point, if we shut our economy down too long, there's going to be people dying of other things, and it's mm-hmm. not going to be um, necessarily the coronavirus, but they're going to be. It's going to be bad. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a unemployment is uh, is crazy right now. So, yeah. and I imagine you all been pretty busy at the pharmacy. I would imagine. Uh, uh, yeah, working yeah. All, the way, all the way through and. You know, uh, 24-7, there's probably no not too much uh, relaxing for the uh, Walmart pharmacists, are there? Yeah, it's tough times right now. I mean, not 24-7, but, the, you know, it's, it's the technicians and the pharmacists and the cashiers that work at any pharmacy, not just Walmart, any any pharmacy, I, you know, they're just, it's, it's, uh, I'm proud of everybody. I'm proud to be a pharmacist and, and be a colleague of these folks because, um, everybody's working really hard. And most of these health professionals have worked without protective. We just got at our, at Walmart, we just got some, some plastic screens up so that we could protect the, the pharmacist and techs and cashiers, you know, that are servicing the customers because, They've just been exposed. You know, we just, you know, it's just how it is. So, anyway. Hope everybody stays safe out there. We we went down kind of a different pathway. We were talking to uh, Gene Stasny, who's a a pharmacist and pickleball person. Uh, uh, We just thought we, I I thought it would be kind of interesting to get her take at at this point about uh, uh, the corona pandemic and uh, see what she thought that might be out there on the horizon. If we get, let's get back to the text open just real quick. Because I know uh-huh. we, we, we're we're a little over an hour right now with you, and we don't want to keep you too long. But okay. uh, the text is open. Where, where do you see it going for you know this year? Uh, the third one, the installment to say everything you know uh, goes well. Uh-huh. <clears throat> we're back out playing in late September. But what uh, you had? How many people the first year, second year, and then what are you th- planning on this year? Um, well, we are planning for fifteen hundred. That's uh, wow. our plan. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, with this <laughs> pandemic, that could be. Yeah. I mean, we had about fifteen countries that were pledging to come. You know, I'm not sure that all those countries will be allowed to come, even if they yeah. want to come. Right. So I don't know how that's going to impact us this year. But um, that that is our plan to have you know forty six states and you know, as many foreign countries that want to participate. So we, we, uh, we want everybody, we want the juniors, we want the seniors and the super seniors, and we want the pros and the amateurs. We want the, you know, the families and we, 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 we are a uh, all inclusive and, and that's the beauty. I love to see the multi-generational mixes and, and we do a lot to add a lot of value to the amateur player so that they don't just get charged and, and get a bag, you know, a, a little registration bag. But there's a lot of benefits to come to the Texas Open. There's a lot of extra activities that are included in the registration. And um, and then the pros, we, we work really hard to deliver an experience for the pros that they would enjoy as well. So. Yeah, what are some uniquely Texan things that uh, that are out, uh, you know, off the court that y'all do? We do a lot of stuff. Um, a couple things that I'll bring up. We have um, our Taste of Texas every day at 2 o'clock where we feed everybody, you know, some uh, Texas quality barbecue yeah, and it's free and included. <laughs> so if you're if you're a registered player, um, you know, you're, you get 
free barbecue every you day. You really um, fast, too. I was really mad that I didn't get any. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it, well, you got to be fast. No, <laughs> no there, was, there was a lot of it. We had a lot of it, so I don't know. Yeah. We had a lot of it outside the Texas Open, sure. the Texas Mercantile, Open Mercantile. So next time, Craig, be sure and go by there because there was a lot. I tried to name drop it. It didn't help. Yeah, I said, I know, yeah. I know Gene Stanley. Yeah. I know her. So we have yeah. uh, the battle of the sexes where we have the pro women take on the pro men. And um, then uh, we have the pickleball crossroads event where we bring celebrities from other sports together. Last year we had John Isner from tennis and um, we had David Halsey, who's an outfielder for the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. We have uh, Hank Haney, who was Tiger Woods golf coach right. and is a Go good on. golfer. And uh, then we had um, uh, her, uh, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes hockey team. Uh -huh. So yeah. um, we, um, Tom Dunham. So we we uh, had a good time and entertained a lot of the amateurs and then the pros as well. The pros were, you know, very entertained by seeing these different athletes, professional athletes, try their hand at pickleball and getting to play with them as well. So um, we will carry on with that event. We also have a team event that we're doing this year um, where our gold medalists from our amateur are going to get to play with a pro and a junior, and, um, and we're going to do a round-robin tournament for them. And so uh, that'll give the amateurs a chance to get to play with a pro and uh, the pros to get to lead a team and, you know, have some time with some of their fans and, um, you know, it's and have a good time for all. Let the juniors get involved and have exposure to the more sophisticated game. So it should be a, it, and it adds value. Everything that we do, we, we, you know, we give our, if you win a gold medal at the Texas open, you get a custom Texas open paddle, you get, crystal medals and if you win the open you get a crystal trophy uh, besides all the big prize money um, and we give out gold medal hats uh, pickle strong is our partner in that and um, we you can't buy those hats you have to win them the hard way so um, so we, we do a lot of stuff for our players we we require a lot of our vendors to yeah. give give a lot of stuff to our players so it's uh, uh, we try to load them up well, you know they have to back up their car to leave the leave the campus after they're done. I bet you Andy Murray would like to come play the pickleball, wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, we, we ought to invite him. Yeah, well, he's, he's right we here, Andy. Actually, Andy's right here. He's in the studio with us. Um, I mean, yeah, it's great. Uh, to, to meet Gene has been quite a pleasure, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing if, uh, if, if pickleball fits my skill set. Certainly, uh, my hip has gotten better, you know, good enough to, uh, to cover the court, so I'm, I'm hopeful for September. Maybe she'll give you an invite. Well, Andy, I tell you what, if you come, we will put some grass right on the court for you. <laughs> so you didn't know we, you had, we thought we were just a bunch of pretty faces. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm chuffed to bits. I'd, I'd much rather play this than uh, the bloody French Open. So uh, well, Maybe we'll have some haggis for you as well. Can we, get, can we arrange some haggis for, for uh, Andy? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> so fifteen hundred. I'm because you went what about four hundred people the first year, three four hundred people somewhere, and then yeah, you, yeah, and then we went to we actually had a lot more than the last year. It was like a, right at a thousand players, oh, wow. but we only that. could allow in seven hundred ninety two because our yes. venue just couldn't hold anymore. So, um, so we we but we grew more than double our first year yeah. to the second year. Yeah. So, and um, trying to redouble I, the efforts again. Yeah. Huh. Uh -huh. 
I think um, you're we do also it. have the all player social, which is a big party. Sambuca 360. Gotta love oh, yeah. Kim and, yep. and their support of the tournament. Um, and, um, what we do, um, you know, what they do to help us, uh, entertain the players with food and, and, and beverage and festivities and, and bands and dancing and all that. Oh, it's love a party it. at the Texas open. That's yeah, what I, love it. It. I mean, Gene has created this event. I'm sure. Can, can you give us, is there anything new that you could just kind of throw out there? We, I saw the, the, the state of Texas court, which I could not believe that was the most impressive the, thing. The paint the, on the, the court. court with the whole, the, the, the state Texas flag. Yeah. But uh-huh. I, when I saw that court, I was like, that is unbelievable. Impressive. That was unbelievable thinking. Is there anything like that that you can kind of throw out there for the audience? Uh, uh, well, we have a couple of things up our sleeve, but okay. unfortunately, if I tell you, I'd have to kill you, oh, so I'm not going to be able to do that. But <laughs> the, the court, believe it or not, it uh, will be back. Yes. Uh, the paint on the white part will yes. be, it's going to be an antique Texas flag this year, so that yeah. that's a little darker because okay. the pros had a little bit of a tough time seeing that ball on the white. Uh, so, um, so we are going to, but we will never abandon our, our namesake, so... Uh, our champion court will will be a Texas flag, but it will be a, an antique version of the Texas flag with a little bit of a a, a different color to the white. It's not, it's not the come and take it flag, is it? Oh, From that's the, the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we've got some other things up our sleeve, but we're gonna okay. we, you're gonna have to come to the yeah. Texas Open to find out well, about fair those. Fair enough things. on that. We'll that's, definitely yeah. see you there. Well, let me one last question before we start uh, the pop culture question. Uh-huh. What do you see pickleball doing now? What is it? Uh, uh, it's, it's past its infancy stage. It's not crawling. It's, it's walking a little bit. Where do you see pickleball going? What do you, you know, in a, in a world that was That's like a, a great question. And now you're back on the stuff I love to talk oh, about. Yeah. So good, good. I, I believe there's several pieces. Okay. So from a, a cultural community value perspective, pickleball is going to continue to boom because it's easy to learn. It's hard to master and it allows people of all athletic abilities to get out and exercise and it's a social sport. So from a community standpoint, it's going to continue to blow up. And I, I, I can't, I mean, I think there'll be pickleball courts in every community all across the United States in the next few years. I really believe that, um, that it'll also be, I think starting to be incorporated. I know that what we're doing with our, our plans, um, you know, uh, for a permanent venue and some of the things that we're doing, um, is we're going to be working with some health systems to do some health things with pickleball. So I think that that's going to happen. Um, in terms of its, uh, its, its presence as a competitive professional sport, I think it's going to continue to grow. I think it's going to continue to develop. The thing that we have to do, though, before it can really blossom to any large degree further is we've got to tie in the spectator. We've got to develop the spectator experience. We've got to develop venues that can support a spectator experience. And until we get that done, there will it won't continue to blossom as large as it has in tennis and other things. I'm not saying it won't happen, but that's a rate-limiting step in my opinion. Yeah, because it needs to be like Indian Wells. I know Margaritaville is very well attended, yeah. but that's only one right now. And so the rest right. of the venues have to have facilitate where you can have hundreds and thousands of people watching, watching not just playing, but actually, you know, like, you know, the tennis venues, you know, you've, we've got uh, that massive facility in New York City. Uh, you've got Wimbledon, you've got the French Open, you've got uh, right, right. 
right. The Australian Open. Well, we've got we've got a massive facility that's going to be going in in Dallas, and oh, really? uh, it's it's going to be a state of the art, best in class pickleball venue, and we're excited about it. And that's for another podcast, oh, but okay. Um, but it's going to be amazing. And, and we are, you know, like I said, Dallas is Dallas does sports. Dallas knows how to do sports. Hey, we so, do big things bigger uh, in Texas and big D there's a reason why it's big D big right. things like Gene Stassi. Yes. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, folks at home, whether you're into tennis or pickleball or, or um, really anything, just listening to the development of this tournament from an entrepreneurial uh, running events uh, PR side has been educational for really all of us, and yeah. I hope uh, the folks at home. Um, now you can see why I want her to be the first pickleball person we've interviewed. Yes, we. Well, uh, I, I do want to say something to that sure. point from what the tennis doing? people uh, at the venue that we're designing. We're actually putting in some tennis courts also because we want to send a message to all the tennis community that we see pickleball and tennis as a as a as a, a symbiotic relationship and so as a good faith gesture because we are always asking tennis folks to put in some pickleball courts we are putting in some tennis courts along along with our pickleball venue it still will be a pickleball venue sure. and 90 percent 80 to 90 percent will be pickleball but we're going to put in tennis and we're going to make sure that tennis has a presence on the on the site yeah. so um we just want to let them know that and uh i believe it's a great sport that can be played both ways i think tennis players can craig bell's perfect example he, he sure plays is. tennis all he wants and he can go out and play pickleball with the best of them so oh, and, uh, there's and, no and, reason i like to tell people the best analogy that i uh, i can think of is skiing and snowboarding where yeah. tennis to me is yeah. like skiing it's a little more formal yeah. and a little more structured and then you've got snowboarders freestyling it and pickleball is a little bit more more like snowboarding well, Gene, well done. I haven't heard the word symbiotic since grad school, so nice showing uh, nice there. Thank you. Yeah, I'm telling you, she, yeah. she's a big thinker right there. She's a very big thinker. Love it. Hey, so do, you, do you mind if we ask you a few pop culture questions? Yes, let's get to the third we, set. Yes, can we sure, do the third sure. set? Okay. Love yeah, to. Because we'll, we'll have you back, you know, especially okay. once okay. the Texas okay. Open, we get through this pandemic situation. We want to have you back because we want you to talk about the Texas Open and how people can can uh, be a part of that. And uh, Yeah, let's plan, plan yeah. on late summer for yeah, that. Yeah, late summer if that's okay. I would love that. Thank okay. you. So we could tell them about registration that's and everything definitely. at that yes, time. Yeah, it's too premature right now. Yeah, and we've had a lot of people watching, chiming in, because there's been a lot of people watching on Facebook saying hello and, and talking about yeah. uh, pickleball. So we definitely want to get back and have you for a repeat uh, appearance sometime in the next uh, uh, three or four months. Snaz, yeah. Stasny 2. Stasny 2. Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Boogaloo. One, well, more, was... one more 90s reference for Gene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, Gene Stasny, first band you saw in concert. Uh, Journey. Journey, really? Okay. Well, was that about 1982? Was it? it was. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Where was it? Was this in Arkansas, Oklahoma? No, it was in Texas. Oh, in Texas. Uh -huh. All right. Uh -huh. uh, if you could hear a band, what band would you really like to hear? And where would you like to hear them? You know, city venue, you know, all that kind of stuff. If you could hear a band besides Journey and the great Steve Perry. Where, where Heart. Heart. I tried to hire Heart to play at my 40th birthday party. They just were a little too expensive. Heart. No kidding. Yeah. Well, I love Heart. Yeah. I have an interesting heart story about that. If you let me go down the rabbit hole real fast. I was in Wichita, Kansas uh -huh. at, at a tennis tournament. I was about 16 at the time, I think. And they were playing in Wichita, the same same 
you know, weekend. And I happened to get on the elevator and I see these people. I kind of look over and I'm like, yeah, it was, it was the band. And, and I, Nancy. Yeah, yeah. I go, Oh, I go, you all here for the concert. You know, the doors <laughs> closed. I go, we are the concert. Are. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. I'll see you later. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> they, they were great. Oh I my goodness. Heart. That's oh. awesome. That God, is so it awesome. was like, I, I froze for a second. I like when they said, we are the concert. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, there's my floor. I don't think it was, you know. I, I just, oh, no. I have this vision of Craig I'm having so a. I'm jealous of you. My yeah. goodness. I have a vision of Craig with a Wilson bag over his shoulder and just forgetting to ask them to. To yeah. autograph that, uh, you know, I just I I froze and whatever the next floor was, I immediately got off. It wasn't my floor, but I Bum. just uh, <laughs> ooh, man, I, I was moving on yeah, at that, that point. That's so funny. All right, that so, is so funny. Now oh, I can goodness. I can I can figure this this next question. I have an idea. This this who you're going to be if you're in a band. Say you're. Do you sing? Are you a singer of any any? Uh, uh, no, not really. I, I like karaoke, but yeah. it's oh. not. And most people are not listening when I'm singing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so even even Journey, even Journey, on the uh, karaoke because everybody yeah, loves yeah. Journey. No, oh. I can't sing Journey though. I'm City not, by I the Bay, the, the harmonic. Yeah. Oh, I can I can do that. Yeah. I'm more like Nora Jones. I can sing. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So oh, who would you be in a band? Lead singer. Lead guitarist, drummer, keyboards, or maybe the bass guitarist. Who, who's who's Gene Stasny going to be in the band? Oh, that's tough. I would say. I know what it's going to be. Uh, I would say. Well, I would like to be the drummer. Really interesting. Yeah, but I, I don't know that I would be, but I would like to. I, I, I'm like, not good enough matter. to probably yeah. be a drummer, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, that one, I like. I think the drummer. Yeah. Really? I thought you'd be a lead singer. I thought you'd be up on front. Out there oh, just... I, don't, I don't know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm kind of an interesting personality that way. Is I, I like to be involved and be part of the mm-hmm. influence, but I'm not sure that I always want to be at the front all the time. So well, you're, you're a good front front woman. I was going to say front oh, man. Thank you, kind sir. I appreciate you saying that. All right. Favorite movie. What's your favorite movie? Oh, man. Um. Hmm. You have one of our favorite movies. You can have you can have several. You, okay, I have. Okay, this is. I, I like Down Periscope. <laughs> Down Periscope. We haven't had yeah, that, that one before. That one is funny. It's a comedy, but what is it's it's really it's hilarious, but it has a message, and it's basically this group of people that are not perfect, and they get together and they put their hearts and their talents together, and they. They, they overcome almost all odds. And so it basically is a message that if you believe in yourself and you work within your talent and you, you work with your team, that even imperfect, we're all imperfect humans and can, can accomplish extraordinary things. That's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's an Easter message and a COVID-19 era message well done thank you for that any any other movies or do you like you know scott moore's watching so you might say something you know about scott moore oh, He's a, Mr. i like Pickleball. to watch scott moore do the, his little band exercises <laughs> Warm it up. i yeah, think scott moore is amazing yeah. he is an amazing man yeah, yeah. um yeah. it uh i i'd have to say that i like movies like I don't know that makes statements. I like Avatar. Like oh. I liked Demolition Man. I don't know if anybody's mm-hmm. ever seen that movie, but it was yeah. basically made a long time ago about the future, and yeah. there was a lot of symbolism and things in that movie. So you know, I just I don't know. There's you know, I like I like a lot of different kinds. I don't like horror movies. I don't like scary, bloody, gory type stuff. You know. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm not much on that. I like the funny stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm more yeah, candy shit. Yeah, y'all all, everybody needs to watch Down Periscope. That's Down a great Periscope. movie. Who, and it'd be great. Yeah, we can beat the coronavirus, y'all. That if, the, if you see what they had to overcome, we, we can do this. This is nothing. Who, who, huh? Who's in Down Periscope, just out of curiosity? Who, who's kind of Well, the... Kelsey Grammer is in Down okay. Periscope. And, right. you know, I'm not the hugest. I, I'm not, I mean, I didn't really care about his... Uh, what was his TV show? Cheers and uh, Frasier. Yeah, cheer, yeah, yeah Frasier. I wasn't really, I mean, I don't hate it, but I, did, I really wasn't into him. But he's great in that movie. It's, but it's the whole movie. You just have to watch it. If you watch it, I promise you, you'll love it. Okay. Down Periscope, everybody. Down Periscope. All right. Uh, <laughs> so here's a, here's a big thinking question right here. You're at dinner, all right? Who are the uh-huh. four, who are four people you would like to invite? It, it can be you know from the from back in in the back of history to anybody that we've had a bunch of different people mentioned at dinner. Who would you like to invite to dinner at, at your table? And it can be more than four if you want four, five, six, whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay, I would like to invite. Ann Richards, who mm-hmm. was the first yeah. female Texas governor, um, she passed away, but yeah. she was a very, very talented lady and very yeah. much able to face adversity with pride, with respect. And she had a, a, an honesty about her. She was a politician, but she never seemed like a politician. Mm-hmm. She she never le- left her true self, and uh, she was very sincere. And that, to me, is very refreshing in in, poli- in politics. Um. I would like to meet uh, Gandhi. I would like to meet Gandhi, see um, what made him tick and how he managed through adversity. Um, As far as I could tell, he was an amazing person. Um, I would like to meet... uh, So he has tough questions here. Yeah, I would like to meet um, Shakespeare. Ah, William. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, he probably was not at all like people have presented him to me. Yeah. I don't know. I think the guy probably was a comedian. I really yeah. think he probably had a real sense of humor. Mad, because, mad you know, sense yeah, of humor yeah, on that guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. But um, that would be another interesting person, I think, to me. Um, I think that, uh, let's see. Anybody else? Yeah. Uh, mm, they could be a family member. Would you like to have your sister come back or your dad? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I I mean, I, I would die. I would. I, I know people think this is terrible to say, but I think I would trade. I would just trade anything to be with my sister again for a day. You know, she and I were supposed awesome. to play pickleball together, and I spent every every holiday with her, every bad, good, or indifferent thing that happened in my life she was a part of. And, and um, she was she put the color in my world and, uh, and I've, I lived a long, a long time in the black and white side of life. Um, after she left me, um, but she, she had to go and hopefully I'll see her again, but yeah, I would do anything to bring her back. Yeah. yeah. Color my world. That was a, a famous song by Chicago. Remember that color yeah. My world? Yeah, yeah, sure was. Yeah. yeah I, just, I, li- I liked uh, Chicago. A long time ago, mm-hmm. we used to play a lot of there. I was a trumpet player back in the day. We used to play a lot of Chicago songs. They were fairly. Yeah, they rocked yeah. and used horns, and not that many yeah. bands do right. that. That yeah. was great. Yeah. Fun. It's a, oh, I thought of somebody yeah. else. I want to meet. Oh, good. Yeah. Jennifer Six. I, I, maybe I'm such a nerd. Maybe these are not interesting to anybody else. But I would like to meet Helen Keller. Ooh, Helen Keller. You, you know you, why? Because yeah. like that lady could not hear or see, and she not only lived she thrived yeah. i mean she 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 
I mean, that, that, she must have been an amazing person. That's, mm-hmm. that's overcoming adversity right there. That's, right, you know, right. Somebody Just like amazing. That. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, yeah, she, yeah, you got that's a fairly interesting table. It's a yeah. great table. Yeah. Uh, Gandhi yeah. has made yeah. a, a, a lot of our guests' yes. guest lists. Shakespeare once. Keller knew to us yes. on this one. That was awesome. Your sister has been mentioned yes. several times. As she should. As she should. She colors everybody's world. <laughs> and um, and Ann Richards really yes. is respected and loved oh, both yeah. sides of the aisle. And that was a great choice. Yeah. No, I remember her. Oh. When I moved to Texas, it was kind of the late 80s that uh, she was governor. And, yep. and, man, she put those guys down in Austin. You know, she, she laid the law down there. Awesome. And, that, and they respected her a lot. <laughs> yeah, she was something else, yeah. yeah. East Coast, West Coast. What, what do you like? Oh, East, mm, that's tough. Oh. Uh, I'm going to be Switzerland on that. <laughs> I, 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 love, I love New Hampshire and Vermont. Oh, I love okay. that area. Um, I love the beaches down in the south. And, but I love... There's places in in Oregon and in California that are just breathtaking. Um, Utah. I mean, I don't know. It's tough. I I I uh, can't really pick. Mountains or beach? Are you a mountain person or beach person? Oh, that's another tough one. I'm both. <laughs> I, I like both. Yeah, I, 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 we got I, you. I will say this. I I think the ocean calms me, hmm. but the the mountains inspire me. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Now there's it's. Uh, I like the mountains in the summertime, but I like the beach all the time. I mean, I, I, I'm not a win- fan of winter. Craig's going to retire in Key West. One yeah, day. no, I don't know you that can. I'm a fan of winter either. I, I, like, I can do winter as a vacation, but I wouldn't want to live in it for yeah. sure. Sunrise or sunset? <sighs> sunrise. Really? Okay, so you're a morning person. Morning. Well, no, um, but usually I'm more inspired by sunrise. Sunset, I'm just resting. I'm just chilling out. I, I like them both, but, you know, I'm more inspired in the morning, I guess. Get the cup of coffee, go out, you know, kind of get the paper. Yeah, yeah. you know, the world is all new, and you get, you've get you been given another day sure. by God. Right. So it's it's the greatest gift ever is yep. each day that he gives us. So. All right, favorite season, summer, fall, winter, spring. What, what do you like? What's your favorite season? Uh, spring and my second favorite is fall. I love fall too. Yeah. Up, the, up in New Hampshire, do you have you been up to New Hampshire? Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful up there, right? I've never seen that. The, the leaves change up there. I think that I've seen yeah. enough pictures. And I think that'd probably be really breathtaking to, yeah. to, to see yeah, that. Yeah, one of the last trips I took my sister on before she passed away, I tried to take her to. She didn't feel very well, but I tried to take her to as many things as I could before she left that she hadn't seen. And I took her to the number one beach in the United States in Florida. She got to see Siesta Key Beach and put her oh, feet yeah. in it. And I took her to see the fall foliage in. Um, and over in the Gatlinburg in the yes. in that area, yes. and that is just beautiful. Is that the Smokies is that? Is yeah, that? in the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. 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 Favorite holiday? What's your favorite holiday? I think Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That, that, mm-hmm. Two in a row. It's two in a row. We have uh, Paul Walker. Yeah. Uh, mentioned Thanksgiving. How come you like Thanksgiving? What's what's special? It's about being grateful and about caring about your you know community and your family, and it's it's it seems to be the most. Uh, appreciative of the of the holidays what, what do you like to do besides pickleball in your spare time what, what would some, somebody I uh, love, like to know i love stock investing i love oh, really? um, i love reading i love i used to be an amateur filmmaker before um 
before I uh, got into pickleball. It kind of took all my time up, but I, I used to make little shorts. I like shorts. I write short stories or read. I like to read and write and I don't know. I just like that kind of stuff. What, but, what'd you, what were you making them on? What, what, what would they be kind of com- comedic? Would they be dramatic? Obviously, not oh, a little of everything. I've tried a little bit of everything um, just for fun, you know, just different things. I talked my friends and, you know, this was back in the day. I haven't made any, I haven't made a film in probably 15 years. So it's been, a, it's been a while. So, but I used to do it for fun. I, I, I was in an amateur filmmaking competition once and I got oh. fourth place out of 89 people. Oh, wow. Well done. <laughs> Woo-hoo, any place. YouTube, any YouTube uh, video that we could watch if we Google your no, name? No, I was prior to the YouTube <laughs> craze. Um, I, I honestly, I have them on old hard drives or what? I don't know. I've had to dig them up because I, I haven't looked at them in a long time. But, but I still like. I go to film festivals and things. I've, I've been to the Palm, you know, Palm Springs Film Festival and you know some of the other ones. Um, but I, I just, I like film. I think film. And short stories because it's hard to write a whole met, a whole structure in a short story. You have to be a really good writer to be able to get all of the elements that are necessary in a story in a short story format. And yes. I, but I like film because I feel like film, if it's done properly, it is the way to entertain and educate and enlighten the world in a way that is a lot easier for people than having to read it. So, very, very much so. Did you have something? You had a point, I think, today. No, that was yeah. that was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Couple- you, you definitely made us both smile because we both enjoy yeah. not just films but writing in general. Oh yeah. No, neat. no. Yeah. yeah. No, I was watching. Uh, Big uh, smile. Yeah. Watching a couple of uh, Ben Hurd today, uh, and then also the who was the the, the world uh, uh, as we know it. Or what, what's the? We were talking about that yesterday. That oh, damn it! I watched that for that was a really good movie as well. Uh, but on Jesus' life. Uh, oh. Oh, greatest story in the, the world! Greatest story ever yes. told. Greatest story ever told. Yeah, yeah that was, that was oh, a, wow. that is a great told. story ever told for sure. Yeah. All right, I, I kind of have an idea that what where you're going to go with this indoor pickleball or outdoor pickleball? <laughs> <laughs> outdoor pickleball. Oh, yeah. I was hoping she'd go Switzerland on that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlotte <laughs> Rivera would pass out if I said indoor pickleball, so I can't do that. <laughs> I wish you had. Okay. What's your most embarrassing moment in pickleball? Uh-huh. Well. And Craig, you can you you help me through this period, so you can relate to the, the you remember this probably. So I broke my leg, and at Nashville, I was at the Nashville tournament, and uh, Stephanie Lane had invited me over there, and I went over there, and I broke my leg, and so I came home, and it took me like six months to get my leg working. You know, get it out of the cast and the boots and all that mess. And so I was so happy because I had had to go without pickleball for all that period of time. And so I was so excited. The very first time that I got to play was actually going to Craig's at Bent Tree after I had got my leg out of all this mess. Yeah. And I had been practicing my balance because, uh, you know, Craig had taught me, you know, I was trying to learn body balance because it, you know, softball has some things. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty good serve. I can serve really well because it's kind of like my pitching and softball, but you know, the rest of my softball attributes didn't really transfer that well to pickleball. So he was kind enough to give me some pointers and I give him full credit for any, any balance, you know, that I was able to develop from a lot of his little drills that he gave me. <clears throat> anyway, I went to play and I got on the court 
and the ball went to the left to my forehand because people forget I'm a lefty. Mm -hmm. And so I proceeded to go like go to the ball like you know you just do and my leg my left leg was the one that i had broken apparently had lost the connection i had to redevelop the the the, whatever it is that your brain talks to your leg and my leg did not go my right leg did and the rest of my body did but my left leg just stayed (laughs) and so i tripped over my leg and fell flat on my face Mm. Boy, and that, that embarrassed me to death. <laughs> and on top of it, I had to leave because I went and got my car and I had not cried the whole time that I had had my leg broken. But I just bawled my eyes out in the car because I thought my pickleball career was over <laughs> because I could not get my leg to work. And so anyway, luckily, <laughs> I was I overcame that. And uh, now my leg works just fine. So I can do it. But that was embarrassing to fall flat on my face the first time back. So, besides the Texas Open, what's your favorite tournament? Oh, you played a lot. You, you've been around Bain, a lot too. Yeah. The Bainbridge Cup. Bainbridge Cup. Wow. Bainbridge. Tell us about that. I like it because it's all the different countries, but that isn't really why I like it. Because I like it when all the states get together. I love going to the U.S. Open and the Nationals, and I've gone to Utah. There's, I like their tournaments and. I've been to um, uh, the one, you know, a couple in North Carolina, too. I like tournaments that have a sense of community. Yeah. And um, that the ones up in Utah have, uh, up in Brigham City, and they, they seem to have a really strong sense of community there. Um, but I like the Bainbridge Cup because the, the people get together at the Bainbridge Cup, and they are cheering for the 3-5 gold medal match just as much as they are for the 5-0s. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful to watch France. I, I think last year I saw France and Spain duking it out in the 3-5 gold medal match, and you'd have thought we were at the freaking Olympics. I mean, there was people with flags, and they were screaming, and it was awesome. The, I like how the Europeans, they don't, they're not quiet. I mean, they get all excited, and they they don't mind that they don't have you know nobody gets mad when they're loud, and I like that. I think it's cool to see. So, good good memory there. Uh, any superstitions or rituals? Do you have any any superstitions rituals that uh, you know, like do you, do you not step on the lines or you know do you uh, have to uh, tie your shoes? I have a ritual for my serve. Um, I I always have to bounce the ball and breathe and all that before I serve. Um, I also have a ritual where I have to pack um, my everything, my sandals, everything in my bag like two days before I go anywhere. Because one time I went to a tournament and forgot my pickleball shoes. (laughs) And I had to literally buy some shoes to play the tournament. So I have a ritual now for I pack my bag two days before I go. Smart. It, what sport would you have played if it wasn't pickleball? What What, what would you have liked to? I know you played softball, some, but if I could be any, I mean, if I had any kind of athletic ability, you mean? No, it doesn't matter. Just, I think you have athletic ability, except when you break your leg and you fall down the first time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I love softball, so I, I won't say that I, I would denounce softball. I'm I'm proud to be a softball player, but I guess. Um, like golf? Would you like to play golf? Or no, you... I'm not really that attracted to golf. I, I like tennis. I think tennis mm-hmm. would be a fun – if I could play a sport really well, I think maybe tennis. Uh, volleyball is also pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
sand volleyball, beach volleyball, that that looks that always looks pretty. Yeah, fun. I wish I had the body for beach volleyball. That worked worked for me. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're okay. Okay, here's the big I'm question. Teasing, I'm just teasing. Yeah, here's the big question. The big, all right, you've got the magic pickleball wand. You got the big pickle, and you you want to make some changes or a change to pickleball. What would you do? You, yeah. You're the commissioner. You're, you're the commissioner worldwide. Wow, of pickleball. wow, that would be. That's like wow. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Now tell us what um, you, some things you might implement. Maybe be you might be able to even do it at the Texas Open. What could you do? Well, we have done several things at the Texas Open. They're different. Like I told you, we. Um, we don't have the restrictions on the open, but we also make sure that the the amateur and skill uh, age events are economical uh, so that nobody can't afford to come. Um, so I think if I had to change anything about pickleball, it would be that um, I don't care for the way that we um, handle controversy like uh-huh. i don't i don't think that we have a formal enough process for dealing with controversy on the courts um during matches i think that the line judges and and all that should be a lot more organized and i i think that we should you know make it a little bit more professional now i know that that would probably people get real i, I think people should get calm down about trying to get paid to do everything. I, um, you know, some of it needs to be a privilege. I don't know if those little ball boys get paid at the U S open tennis tournament, but some of it, I'm sure they're doing as volunteer because of the pride of the sport and the honor it is to serve the sport. So I do, I do want to see, I mean, we do have to pay, you know, the pros and the senior pros and everybody that has to travel around all the time. And the people that have to go all the time, and travel and sacrifice their life, then I understand that they need to be paid. But, you know, there does need to, we don't want to lose the volunteer element and the pride and the working for the, because at some point you price the tournaments to whether or not they're not realistically affordable. And so uh, we don't want, you know, to have to pay everybody to do everything all day because um, the cost of that is going to be prohibitive for anybody registering. So um, I do. I, I would like to make sure that we maintain a, a pride and a sense to serve the, the the industry, but that we create a little more formality in the way that we manage the matches in terms of line calls and you know just controversy in general. You need a Hawkeye system, kind of like tennis, right? You need to get the. That would be cool. Yeah, I would think that'd be great. Oh. Yeah, we start, maybe we can work on that. That'd be yeah. fun. To, you could you could be the first. Do, do they do the Hawkeye system out at Indian Wells? I mean, I know they have it for tennis. Out there, I they? hope so. I, I, I haven't seen it done yet, but I'm sure somebody's working on it. We, I mean, we may be working on that at our new venue. You never know. Well, there's a guy. There's a I know uh, does a line calling device for tennis. He's, he's French out, guy. French guy. Yeah, yeah Gregor Gentile, and he's out of the San Francisco area. He's, he's a, uh, in, a computer engineer. He's done it for tennis, and he's got this neat, neat little device. I might. We might have to. Give him a phone well, call about. We need to call him, Craig. Yeah, we need him. Yeah, it's a, it's a, you just put it on top of the actually the net post, yeah. and it's not that yeah. it's not that big a deal. And it calls it calls lines for you, and also gives you some other other stuff. Uh, wow, uh, I need to talk with him. We need yeah. to talk uh, we, talk to him. We can talk offline, uh, uh, you know, here in the next day or so, and I'll, we'll. Uh, I want to talk to you about some other things as well that we've got coming up. But uh, uh, yeah, I think that 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 would be very interesting to. Uh, to have because I, I do like that about pickleball that there always are referees and I know that they, they do charge 
money to, to do that. And I, I always find that fascinating because tennis, that's the one thing I don't really like about tennis. I would try to have referees at every match because I think that that's an important, at least there is some somebody there. But yeah, I can understand sometimes the grievance aspect, I think maybe that you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I just think we need a little more professional structure around sure. that. It, it's uh, for, for the benefit of the players sure. as much as, as, the, as the tournament experience for the people watching, et cetera. Right. No, I, no, I, I agree with you. You know, a thousand percent. Anything else? You've got you've got the magic pickle. You got the big gherkin. Those, you, those you, are you can two good ones. Is there a third? Is there a third gherkin out there? I would make sure that I never ever no one ever had to play pickleball when a ball rolled on their court from another court and had to start over. <laughs> We're working on that. Yeah, that, that's a big one right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, our buddy John McClam. Yeah, yeah. Johnny McClam. Court dividers. Court dividers. Yeah, yeah. yeah Court right. Is Court yeah. That's a good one, too. Yeah, yeah but, good, uh, good. Well, Gene Stasny, we've taken too, way too much of your time. You're right? hilarious. You're wonderful. And thank you. This has been a blast. Yeah. Will you oh, come back? you guys are fun, too. Will you come back and visit us in, in a couple of months? I'd be honored. I'd be honored. Thank We'd you, like gentlemen. That. You well, guys have made my day. Uh, we, you, no, you've made our day to, to be able you. to come on and talk about uh you know your life uh, pickleball what what's going on and then we, we like i said are seriously uh want to talk about the texas open and how we can help help you with uh, our uh, folks that are watching i've we've had several people from the dignitary world of pickleball yeah. watching uh we've got uh, my friend derek from farmington new mexico he, he wants to, he's, he's a pickleball player up there he wants to come down and play the texas open he's, he's he also he also wants to take away the non-volley jo- zone that's right <laughs> <laughs> he is definitely no kidding kitchen. but uh that's yeah. yeah, funny that was a good one yeah so derek uh, <laughs> shout out to derek uh, up in farmington uh, you've got a, you've done a great job, Gene Stasny. You're you're a good lady, Charlie Brown. You know, we, yeah, we appreciate. Uh, y'all are very kind. I want to thank all the pros that supported the Texas Open since day one. I know Steve Kennedy brought a whole herd from Florida, and and Barry Waddell from Florida had yeah, a group wow. the first year. Yeah. Sarah Ansbury, Lucy, and Matt, and um, I appreciate Gigi and Lisa Namu and Scott Moore and Daniel Moore and G- Jennifer Lacour and Tyson McGuffin, and um, Simone, and Ben Johns, and his brother. I thought it was so, you know, between, I was so happy to see her, him and his brother win and, and, and have some fun together because it, you know, kind of the brother thing and the sister thing is a big deal to me because I, I think it's cool. And um, I just appreciate all the support from the vendors and all of the amateur players that have come and supported from so many states and countries. Uh, we just, we're so lucky and we just want to continue to try to give the best experience we can to, to give back and appreciate them for, for giving us that support. Uh, I've got two questions just to follow up here. 46 states who are the other four states because i think we we need to get call those people up and go hey you gotta get on the ball is this alaska or like hawaii not coming over well i don't i don't (laughs) believe we had alaska and hawaii Uh, (laughs) we need to get them to come yeah and um i think that north dakota did not i don't Mm -hmm. even know how much pickleball they got going on that they might have i I don't i don't know and uh montana i don't think came um, so we have a few that we still have to figure yeah. out how to get. So. We'll, we'll get them going. And then yep. last one, can M- Melissa McCurley put 1,500 people out there? Uh, Melissa no, she's McCurley she's didn't do anything. Director. She's freaking amazing. Uh, you she's know, she best. was one of the other ones I called right after I called you, Craig, um, that we really had to have to make the whole thing go. And, um, yeah, she's she's amazing. She, she's one one person. I was sitting there. I was fascinated. I, being a tournament director on the tennis side, I was watching her. 
how she how she managed that uh, uh, first tournament and then the second one. I was like, I, I, that lady is amazing. She's like a, playing a Stradivarius, you know, a violinist. Wow, I mean, it was piece, huh? it was unbelievable to watch her in action. I was like, man, that if that lady, you know, she she is there is, you know, no one in her league that that can run an event like Melissa. McCoy. Right, right, right. She's brain surgeon. That's what I call her. Yeah, she, she she's. Uh, uh, I'm surprised she's not watching. I am friends of her, with her, but maybe she's already in bed or something. Yeah. She's getting ready for the next event. She's already planning that out. But, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's how she does it, man. She's yeah. she's asleep. She's asleep right now. But uh, I, I wanted to, I don't know if I said, Gigi Lamaster did a lot of support early, early on and, and just gave me a lot of, lot of emotional support and guidance and, and judgment and, and things. So she's, I don't know. I have so many people to thank. I just, I appreciate all the support. You know, the Texas Open is not, any one person it's a it's a vibe it's an attitude and it's a core value it's a set of core values and there's uh, so many people that have helped make it what it is yeah well we'll let you, we'll leave it at that thank you for for uh, this evening we, we've had a great couple of couple of minutes with uh gene stasny happy easter we certainly appreciate you taking uh, some time away from your family because it's uh on a sunday night and uh, we'll catch you in, in a in a couple of months again how's that very good. I appreciate the opportunity, and you guys have a happy Easter. Well, happy thank Easter. Thank you, Gene. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. Take care. Good night. Uh, thanks for listening to Season 1, Episode 36 of At The Net Podcast. Be sure to tell a friend or friends as we like your peeps, and hopefully they'll like us. Right, AJC? Yeah, I hope so. Thank that was you. a lot of fun tonight, wasn't it? That was awesome. Great and, time. And that's the pickleball news as, as it, it seems, seems to us. Is there a seam in pickleball? There are holes. There's got to be. There are holes. That's the whole truth. And nothing but the truth. (laughs) Nothing but the truth. See you all next time. Thanks, everybody. Good night.